It's good to be back together. Some of you I've known for more than 50 years and we've had a great chat already. Some of you are new, maybe a guest or a visitor. We welcome you. Uh, my name is Andrew Palau and this is my wife, Wendy. We are members at Cedar Mill Bible Church and missionaries from the church to the world. And uh, we really thank God for Cedar Mill Bible Church. We love it here and we thank uh, God for Pastor Dave and the leaders and the elders that invited us to come and join you and uh, open up the word and continue us forward in this series that's called Resurrection Implications. And Wendy's kind of done the heavy lifting uh, preparing for today and she's going to unpack an amazing passage. Second, it's really a verse in the midst of a very rich passage, 2 Corinthians 9-11 this morning. And I'll come in at the end, make a couple of appeals and, uh, and um, uh, calls to action that we could respond. Each one of us, we know the Holy Spirit would be speaking to us, uh, calling us to some kind of response uh, based on what we hear from him today. But before that, I would just say I do not have COVID, even though my voice is so terrible. Maybe it's allergies. I don't think so. I normally don't have allergies, but it is springtime in Oregon, and it's been a very rainy, wet spring. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we're having a festival in Klamath Falls, and every time I go down there, you know what they ask for? Rain. We need water. So when we get it up here in the mountains so the fish can run up the rivers, oh, it's beautiful here. I love it. Sorry, baby. I'm going on now. But I might have actually maybe smoke inhalation issues I gave up smoking cigarettes 28 years ago. You'll be happy to know, Mrs. Lautenbach. But, uh, but, um, but uh, you know, there's other kind of smoke inhalation, like when you go to the Timbers game, which my brother Steve and I were at last night. Go Timbers. We scored seven goals. That's the most goals in Timbers history. Can you believe it? And every time they score a goal, they do this big, like, smoke bomb, you know, and it fills the stadium with green smoke. So I was like choking. So that's my excuse today. Go Timbers. Woo. Normally I'd say go Ducks, but it's Timbers today. But uh, on also, before we get into it, I just want to say on behalf of the Luis Palau team, we are so grateful for your prayers and your support and your love uh, over these many, many years. And uh, there are many people around the world saying yes to Jesus through our work together, proclaiming the gospel all around the world through festivals. Digital evangelism is making a big impact, and there are cities being reached. I won't even list them all. You know already, but unity furthered its fruitful days in the kingdom uh, together. So thank you. And on behalf of the family and mom and all of the family, we say thank you for your prayers and your help in these days. It's been a full year plus since dad went to heaven to be with Jesus. Um, but uh, you've been so generous to us, and we want to say thank you for all your kindness in that time. We miss Dad, but here's the good report. Dad is alive and well. He's just up there now, and we'll see him soon enough, right? I don't know what he's doing up there, because the one thing you cannot do in heaven is be an evangelist, right? You can share it, but what does it matter? Now who knows what he's driving people crazy about up there, but uh, I'm sure he's happy enough, and we miss him, though, right? But... Uh, he's doing well, and uh, thank you. That's another resurrection implication that we could talk about. I'm sure we will before this is over. Heaven, that's a good one, right? But for now, today, the implication of the resurrection focus is on generosity. The passage of focus that informs us about how generosity connects to the resurrection power of Jesus 
is 2 Corinthians 9, 11. And Wendy's going to read us into it, and I'm going to pray before she comes, but I'll read it once just to get it in your mind. It says, as, since we're going to memorize it too, right? You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Let's pray. And then Wendy will come. But we just want to say thank you, Heavenly Father. We believe in you. Our life is rich because of your great love for us. And uh, you paid that price on our behalf when you laid down your life on the cross, paying that great penalty we ought to have paid. You are so generous to us to forgive us our sins, to wipe away our guilt and our shame, to clean us from our past and free us from the chains that really bound us so terribly. And we thank you, Lord, that you've transformed us and our life is rich because of uh, your empowerment day by day through your Holy Spirit that took up residence in our hearts when we received you. We thank you for forgiveness and for power day to day and for adopting us into your family. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the assurance of our future in heaven, our home that you've prepared and are preparing for us, a room in your home. We're so grateful. And all of this because of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ from the dead. And with all this in mind, Lord, make us generous in everything we do, even more so for having considered you and your ways this day we are grateful open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what it is you would say to us this day as we look in your word we love you in jesus name amen amen Amen. take it away wendy i went right into your time go for it amen good morning cedar mill and for those of you who don't know i have been married to andrew palau for 28 years I'm born, I know, I'm born in Kingston, Jamaica, and I met Andrew when Louise Palau had a, it was old days, a crusade in Kingston, Jamaica in 1993. Can you imagine? And then we got engaged, came up here, and this row of women right here had a shower for me. I will never forget it. It was in the chapel, remember Joe? There must have been 300 women there, and I just was enfolded, you know, as this Jamaican girl to rainy Oregon into the beautiful, generous heart of Cedar Mill Bible Church. So I know we travel a lot, and we're not here all the time, but truly, this is a generous place, and we just love being a part of this church and just looking around all of Pat and Luis's friends for many, many years here. Um, Today we're going to talk about generosity, and you're probably like, I can't believe I came on the Sunday we're talking about money, but we're not, but maybe it will be for you. So let's just wait and see what the Lord will say to each of us today. But we're going to share from that verse, as Andrew said, 2 Corinthians 9, that one of the repercussions of the resurrection is that we truly are called to be generous people, that we are called to live beyond ourselves, that we are called to lift our eyes from our world, our desires, our needs, to be lifted out to see the world around us because that is the example of who Jesus is, right? Amen? There's so many different words used for generous in the New Testament that are just so rich. I love them. One of them means ready to impart, willing to share. 
Another means thickness or abundance. Another, this one is my favorite. It's a Greek word, haplos, which means sincerely, simply, graciously, bountifully, with simplicity. And the word literally means without folds. It's like, without folds? What does that mean? Well, if you think of a sheet or a tablecloth, uh, uh, we don't want it to be folded. We want it to be laid out. And that is one of the words used for generosity in the Bible that is just simply, simply given. And it's, the wor- it's a word used to represent the generosity of God. Um, you know, one of the things when I think about generosity, obviously I think of Luis. You know, we can't come to Cedarville and not talk about the generosity of Luis Palau. You know, he was marked by generosity with his life and his time, his boundless energy, and his resources. You know, once when Luis got diagnosed with cancer, um, and then COVID came, you know, Pat would have the kids, our kids, and some of the grandkids, there are a lot of them, over to the house at various times to do chores for her. And Pat would always give, pay them a little money, you know, to power wash or to lift mulch or plant a tree. And as they're walking out the door, Luis would be like, Christopher, come here, come here, and hand him another 20, another. And he'd be like, Grandpa, Grandma paid me already. He's like, no, 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 you need more money. You're young. I mean, he, he did that all the time. You know, and he was, uh, the way Luis dealt with servers in a restaurant, if you ever went out with him to dinner or anywhere that interacted with the public, he would all, if you went a table of eight, there'd be a 20%, he'd always throw in another 50. Always this posture of generosity towards the people that he interacted with. But added on top of that, for Andrew and I, my father, Robert Levy, being from Jamaica, you know, my father is a businessman, but he really is an evangelist. And he is a generous man with his resources, very, very generous. But he is more known for being generous with the gospel. Every caddy in Jamaica knows his name, and many have his phone number. And every window washer knows him when he comes. You know, if you go to a country like Jamaica, they, when you stop at a light, they'll wash your windows and then ask for money. And every one of them see my dad come in and say, Mr. Levy, Mr. Levy, give me something, give me something. And dad does it every time. But he's even more generous with the gospel. You cannot sit in his car ride in a taxi with him, sit on with him beside a plane, be in a meeting with my father without him saying, do you know Jesus? Do you know he loves you? He cares about you? What do you think about engaging with the hope of who Jesus is? And it's such a beautiful example for us, you know, for Andrew and I to have these two men in our lives that have um, modeled generosity in such beautiful ways. Today we're going to talk about 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. If you have your Bible, which you should because it's church, the verse that we're going to memorize today, and you're going to say, thank you, Wendy, it's the easiest, shortest verse to memorize. And I will tell when Dave comes back, you'll say, Dave, stop with these hard verses. This is an easy verse. 2 Corinthians 9, 11, the first part you will be made rich in every way 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. Is it up there? No, not yet. Oh, there it is. Okay, let's all say it together. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Yes, we all know the words of the famous, the famous words in 2 Corinthians 9 that comes before this, where Paul says to the church, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And you know, these verses are familiar to us, and they're always used in the message about giving and and giving to the church, and fundraising, and they should be. But you know, Paul is talking about so much more than money here. And I know you know, but he's talking about our lives. Because earlier on in chapter 8 of the same passage, the same argument for generosity, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet, for your sakes, he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. That is the resurrection reality we're talking about. Paul's not talking about material things. He's not talking about money. He's not talking about resources. He's talking about life, the life that Jesus gave. And that word rich right here means abundance, fullness, uh, spiritual abundance, as well as material abundance. So here's the resurrection reality. You're rich. Doesn't matter what house you live in, how, what your salary is, what kind of car you drive, what neighborhood you live in, what your 401k says the numbers are. You're rich. Look at your neighbor and say, you're rich. You're rich. Let me hear you say it. You're rich. We're rich. We are rich in him. Think of some of the riches, my friends, that he's given us. Forgiveness, mercy, his faithfulness, his power, his presence. Do we get used to this? I think we get used to this. We're in church all the time. We listen to podcasts. We read our Bible, and it's beautiful. But sometimes we get used to these thoughts that he has forgiven us, that he's with us. His presence is literally with us. What wealth that we have. And we see generosity as fitting into various pockets of our lives, but Paul didn't and Jesus didn't. Paul reminds us and commands us to sow generously and warns us about sowing sparingly. You know, it's interesting to think about sowing because sowing is the initial act of planting, right? A farmer sows a small, tiny seed that will one day become an abundant harvest. And every farmer wants a massive harvest. So why would a farmer sow sparingly? Why would we? Why would we so sparingly? And I think it definitely comes from a feeling. Well, it does. Not that I think. It does come up from a, feel, a sense that there's not enough. We so sparingly if there's a sense that there's not enough. Not enough time or resources or energy. A sense of preservation. 
And I do it, we all do it, and we do it at different times in our lives for different reasons. And the world, I think, is in a season of self-preservation because they're definitely, we have been shaken up and there doesn't seem to be enough, not enough health or strength in the economy, everyone's nervous, not enough life in the environment, there's fires and heat, not enough of everything. And the creation is groaning, we know that. Yet, we know the creation is groaning, we've been told. Yet, the tension is, as Jesus followers, we're called to be generous people, and we're called to be marked by generosity. One thing that is becoming more and more evident to me is that our generosity flows out of how we see God. How do we see God? Do we see God as a taker? Do we see a God that is hard and judgmental? Do we see God as hard and judgmental, expectant, watching my every move, wondering, did I give enough here? If, that I behave well? that my attitudes and they serve enough. If we see God that way, we will tr struggle to be generous. But if we see him the way he truly is, he is the one who has given all and the one is who is able to make all grace abound so that we can be generous in all things in every way because he will provide all that we need to be generous not out of our own power, but out of his power. And if we see us the way we truly are, that I see me the way I truly am, that everything I have comes from him anyway, Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? That we are all beggars at the foot of the cross, broken people who have been helped and saved and restored and kindness has been shown to us, the natural outpouring of that is generosity. I have so many favorite stories in the Bible, so many. My kids get tired of me saying, oh, that's my favorite story. But this truly, maybe it is for this season. John 12, 1 through 8, and I think they're going to put it up there, the story of Mary of Bethany, and I'll read it really quickly. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had, ra had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was attended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. What a beautiful story, you know. This woman, Mar Mary, 
who poured oil on Jesus' feet, Mary, the sister of Lazarus. And here's a side note that moves me so deeply. Every time this Mary is mentioned in the New Testament, she's at the feet of Jesus. The perfume was costly, worth a year's wages, and she pours it on his feet and wipes it with her tears. And she was criticized for it. But Jesus silences the criticism And her generosity is an example to us. Number one, because her generosity was humble. It was humble. She did what no Jewish woman would ever do. She walked into a room full of men, undid her hair, which was considered extremely offensive and considered an act, a loose act as a woman, in front of everyone, and did what only a slave would do, or a lowly servant, to clean Jesus' dusty, dirty feet, the one that she loved. What a humble act out of kindness. You know, there's a lot of talk on a side note about women in society, in church, our roles as women. And I go back and forth with all sorts of thoughts. But you know, when I read this story about Mary's posture before Jesus, this woman who is one of the most written women, written about women in the New Testament, I know why it's there. And I want to be like Mary, humble before my king. Secondly, Mary's generosity was extreme. She was, we think, a single woman. So this perfume was probably her inheritance. And uh, spices and perfumes were used as investments in ancient days because they were small and portable. And the thing with Mary is she used a lot. She used a lot of perfume, about a pound, which we're told was a year's wages poured out on Jesus' feet. And not only did Jesus smell like the perfume, it says the whole room smelled of this beautiful perfume. You know, I read that smell is the sense that triggers the strongest memory the fastest. Smell. And for those of us who have COVID, that's out the window. I don't smell anything the same as I used to, unfortunately. But can you imagine that smell in that room? And after Jesus' death and resurrection, how everyone in that room I wonder if every time they smelt that, if they would think of him and be reminded of that beautiful, humble, generous moment. Thirdly, her generosity was motivated by gratitude. It was absolutely an act of gratitude. You see, Mary realized something about Jesus that crafted in her a generous heart Mary had seen her brother Lazarus die, and there was nothing she could do. There was nothing she could do to save her brother from death. And they watched, she watched them put her brother in the grave. And she called Jesus, called him, come, the one you love is sick. Martha called Jesus, but there was no remedy, and she called the one that could help her. And when he came, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. 
She said those words, he said those words to Martha and Mary when their brother was still in the grave. I am the resurrection and the life. And then Jesus, in front of their very own eyes, brings Lazarus up out of that grave. And now Jesus is here before her. And, and so is Lazarus. And she's realizing she might have been one of the first people to realize who Jesus was and what he was capable of doing, his authority over death. To take the sin of the world on his shoulders, to defeat death. And she's realizing there is nothing that she could give that is too much. She had experienced Jesus' complete generosity. And the criticism came, and Jesus' answer was, why are you bothering this woman? Don't you see that what she has done is so beautiful? And here we are, 2,000 years later, reading this amazing story. And there's a disconnect in a way, because many of us, well, we wouldn't. We'd never walk into a room and take down our hair and pour oil on people's feet. And we wonder, like, what, what does that really mean, Wendy? The thing is, it's a beautiful example of a woman who tasted Jesus' generosity, and she responded to it. She responded to it in the way that she knew how, the way she had been called to respond. She responded in a radical, humble, grateful way. You know, Paul... We are all called to respond. And in the calling of our response, Paul says, He, that's God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And, here's the memory verse, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Should we say it again? You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. What beautiful language of abundance. He will supply, he supplies he will increase, he increases. He will enlarge, he enlarges. He is rich, he is generous. These are the words of God's economy. So it would be a tragedy if you left church today thinking, I need to be more generous for God. I need to do more for him. What a tragedy that would be. Instead of being overwhelmed by how much he has done for us, for you. Dane Ortland said, there are two ways to live the Christian life. One, you can either live it for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. He doesn't want us to live for him, working hard to please him or clamoring for his favor. He wants us to live from him with an out pouring of his life in and through us. So I encourage you today, in what ways is God calling us to be generous? And I have to be totally honest with you. I wonder if this message was for me this week. I am not kidding. I have said this memory verse to myself over and over again to myself when I'm driving, 
when I was in the grocery store yesterday, as I've been working at home with, with someone who's working with us, as I've interacted with my 14-year-old daughter, you know, it's like God has just been opening my eyes to the ways I truly am not generous, maybe with my language, even with my thoughts towards people, my posture towards people I don't know. Now, Andrew's a little bit different. He's the one that stops and talks to the neighbors every single time, and I'm the one that whispers, let's just keep walking, let's just keep walking. Andrew's the one, he's like, let's buy flowers for so-and-so, let's take them the book, let's go visit, and I'm the one like, no, I don't want to, we saw them two months ago. Yeah, but you know, the Lord through this has just been really prodding me. How am I called to be generous in every single way? And you know, we struggle, we struggle. Our human tendency is preservation. Our human tendency is selfishness. And we struggle a lot with people that we don't think deserve our generosity. They're not generous to me, so I will withhold my generous thoughts and feelings and words and attitudes towards them. But as Paul says, what do we have that we did not receive from him? For some of us, this message is about money. I'm sorry. I don't work at the church, so I can say whatever I want. And some of us are here today, and we are receiving the generosity of Christ, of Jesus. We are receiving the hope. And we struggle to give. We struggle. It's hard. It makes us feel insecure. It makes us feel afraid. I want to encourage you. He will make you rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. It's worth it. Give And he will give you more. And I'm not teaching a wealth and health. It's just God's economy. It's just the way he works. I've seen it over and over again. And I've worked with him, lived with him, known him long enough to know that is God's economy. Some of us need to be generous with the people in our home. We just need to be generous with the people we live with, with our language, with our time, with our words of affirmation, with our attitudes. Some of us need to be generous with people who have wronged us and really hurt us. Hurt, deep down scarring hurt. Some of us, God is calling you to be generous. Some of us need to be generous with children who have broken our hearts, like literally broken our hearts. And God's saying, you've broken my heart. You've broken my heart, and I continue to pour out my mercy and my kindness to you. Some of us need to be generous with the hope that we have. We are called, we are being prodded to be generous with the gospel. Think of the people you interact with every day or maybe once in a while. Do they know the hope that you have? Have you shared with them who he is and how good he's been to you? Have you opened up your mouth and told them that he has helped you, that he has comforted you in your sorrow, that he's freed you, he's given you the power to live, that he's helped you 
Oh, friends, you might say to me, Wendy, I'm so afraid to share the gospel. I'm afraid to tell people I'm a Christian and to share my hope. Don't be afraid. He will make you rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. So whatever it might be for you, and we all know, we're all different, and we all have different personality bents and tendencies. Here's one thing. He likes to share with the neighbors, but he doesn't like to share the gospel with somebody sitting beside on the plane. That's what I do, babe, right? Yeah. (laughs) When he gets on the plane. Anyway, we're all different. That's what I'm trying to say. We all have areas that we know we preserve, we self-preserve. I know mine, and you know yours. And I want to remind you today, he will make you rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And as I wrap up, Andrew will come and give the final thoughts on this concept of generosity. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Wendy. I am moved, and you won't be surprised. I get all teary and worked up, but those of you who know me, you know that happens every time, so don't get, don't get worried. <laughs> I just want to pile on a little bit to what Wendy has said and uh, uh, maybe bring some of the obvious takeaways just to focus on before we uh, pray and uh, take these principles into our lives everywhere we go and apply them to our lives today. And I think the first thing, the fundamental foundational truth that we can all not miss uh, is that God loves you. And I think you just need to let that settle in your heart deeply today that, as Wendy said, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you can believe that truth that God loves you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. That's the great message for us today. But we can take that further, right? Uh, and apply some lessons that we're thinking of. God has been so generous to us. He has given us this incredible gift that enriches our lives to the uttermost. John 10.10 10 is my dad's old famous passage. He preached it to me before I knew the Lord, and I've taken it upon myself, uh, uh, sort of a life verse. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come for this purpose, so that you might have life and have it in abundance. Life to the full, another uh, version says. Uh, another passage says that you would have a life, a life worth living. And around us today, and maybe you feel this for yourself sometimes, you think, What am I doing with my life? How does it count and how does it matter? Just remember, the takeaway foundation is this. God loves you and he came so that you might have life and life in abundance. So I had three little kind of takeaways. One is for everyone and I'm not going to camp on it. Maybe there's notes online that you can go into your small groups with or consider personally. One of them, we forgot to put it in, in the notes, but you can just write it down. Take it to your small group. Consider the tithe. I hadn't thought of that until you were sharing 
you will never regret thinking deeply and considering the principle of the tithe and what it means to you. It's the fundamental, foundational baseline from which you move. It's not like an act of extraordinary generosity to be involved with tithing. It is just like the fundamental reality of where you can begin from. And there are some great principles that you'll never, ever regret uh, being involved in the principle of the tithe for you personally. It's so important for, your, for the abundant life you long to live. He says, test me in this. Uh, so you, you go for that. But then for some of us, we have believed in Jesus Christ. And we see that he came to give us uh, life and life of an abundance. And that he came for that purpose. And then we received it. And it's ours. And now we have to realize that he has given us that same purpose to do likewise. To share this gift of life, the good news. It was meant to be shared, not to be hoarded for our own benefits, but to share it. The motto here at Cedar Mill Bible Church is to become like Jesus and to make him known. Is that right? To know him and make him known. To become like him and to make him known. How are we going to make him known? By living our lives, a lives of generosity, marked by change and transformation that is obviously, if it's real, people will recognize very quickly especially the more they actually know you, that it's something outside of yourself. It's evidence of God at work in this world. The riches we've been given are for that purpose, so that we can be generous. We've received this gift. It has made us rich. It's because of him. And now he has instructed us to share that gift. He says, go and preach the good news to the whole world. So I want to encourage you today and ask you, the motivation is there, it's very clear, generously share Jesus, who can you share him with this week? I don't like sharing on the planes, some of those are 12 hour plane rides, <laughs> believe me, you don't want 12 hours of me, but uh, all around you, you know People are searching for hope and for truth and life. They don't know where they can find a life worth living. Everybody wants to live a life that's worth living, and they're not finding it. No surprise in the ways that they're going. But we hold that rich gift in our hand. It's in our hearts, and it's in our lives, and it's transforming us. So be generous and share it. And I want you to commit now to doing just that. Uh, Ask the Lord to open a door. If you can't think of who you would do it with or if the people that come to mind are too like, intimidating, trust him for it anyway, but, but at least be aware. Wouldn't God bring an open door somewhere in your day this week where you could just testify to say, this is what God has done for me. And then for others of you, you say, gosh, Andrew, I'd really love to share about Jesus, but I don't know these things for myself. How can I share what I don't have. Maybe you say, I've known about Jesus, but I don't know him personally in the way you and Wendy are, are talking about, in the ways that we've been singing about him. I don't know him like that. How can I know him, you might ask? And how can I receive this gift? And is it even for me, or is it just for like other people? Because I've always wondered, is it too late for me? Or is it just for other people? I want to tell you today, no, it's for you. It is for you. That is why he came, to give you life in abundance, to give you 
a life worth living to enrich you in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And I tell you, it's for you today. You'll never regret it. Your life will never be the same. You're not alone either. You, you know, the word of God says in Isaiah and again in Hebrews, it says, all of us like sheep. You might say, I've gone too far. Andrew, if you only knew, I can't come. And he says, no, all of us like sheep, he said, have gone astray. Each one has turned to their own way. But God laid on Jesus the sins of us all. So no matter which way you've gone, to be clear, I want to tell you the, the offer from God, from the word of God to you is a total revolutionizing of your life. But you must respond. It's a gift like any other gift, right? If it's offered, you look at it. It's amazing. You have to take it. So I want you to consider just responding to say, yes, I receive that. And just to be clear, what are we talking about? It's a wholeness of life. It's dealing with the entirety of your life, your past, your present, and your future. And related to your past, he will deal with it all because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why he did what he did when he went to the cross to pay the penalty that we should have paid. What a generosity to take that penalty upon himself. Pay it generously. He says in 1 John 1, 19. No, 1, 9. If you confess your sins, you remember this one? Confess it to him. If you confess your sins, he said, I am faithful and I am able to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he will deal with your past and he will deal with your future. Related to heaven, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It says in Romans 4.12, he was delivered over to death for our sins and raised up to life to put things right between us and God. Past, future, and for many of us, you, you sort of feel like, I get that about God, but what about today? And I want you to know that he also deals with our present. It says to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. What an ultimate generosity to adopt you into his family, to make you his child. That's why heaven's your home, because it's his home and he's preparing a room for you, but you must respond. And the way he deals with that empowering in the present is, it says to those who receive him, and you say, you gotta ask Jesus to come in your life. You hear all these kind of things, right? It's like, what does it mean? You ask him to come in, guess what happens? He comes in. It's simple, it's mysterious, but you receive him and he takes up residence. And there's a power beyond yourself that is new. It's the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And it will transform your life today, past, present, and future. It's a generous offer. And I pray you'll receive it. Let's pray. That's how you can receive it. It's just to respond in prayer. Not some special, particular prayer, but it's your heart connecting to the living God letting him view it all and care for it all. And you can just pray. If you, just, if you want to pray and receive this gift, would you just raise your hand so I can see it? And then we'll pray. Anybody here? Say, yes, that's for me. Yes, I see you, sister. Awesome. Yes, unbelievable. Anybody else? Maybe you've wandered far and you say, I want to walk in his ways again. 
I have not been generous and I haven't been acting as if I've received it. You come back to him, maybe for the first time. Anybody else? Yeah, awesome, brother. Unbelievable. Good days. So anyhow, whatever your circumstance or some way you can respond to pray and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so generously. Even when I have been your enemy, you have loved me and you laid down your life for me. Thank you, Lord. I do believe in you and I receive you now. Please forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. And I receive you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I have needed power. I don't have it in myself. Thank you for coming in. And thank you for having my home. Show me what to do. I want to know my purpose and the ways I can be generous in every way. And in especially in sharing this good news, what you've done in my life generously with others. Thank you, Lord. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo, 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 woo. Good news. Well, for those of you that responded, whether you raise your hand or not, please come talk to me or Wendy or Ashley or some will be in the back. Don't leave here without talking to someone about this response that you've made because it will help you to grow and it'll just we want to pray for you and keep encouraging you about moving forward in that response that you've made and uh if you need prayer for any reason please come and pray with one of us um and you know baptisms are coming up so if you responded you might want to see i'm supposed to uh repent and be baptized the bible says so you repented today the next step uh, to express that is baptism you could talk to some of us about that what would that be like? Uh, whatever it is, come and uh, be with us up front here. Let's pray for the men at the men's retreat, right? Let them experience what we've experienced and be fired up when they get back. Amen? Amen.